Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you and only you are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm the host and creator of the show, Brian Barnett. Welcome. Pleased to meet you. We're on the third episode now of a discussion about boundaries. Before we get started, let me mention my website full of resources at thelastsymptom.com. The site offers you the opportunity to make a financial contribution to support my overall body of work which includes not only the website itself, but also the podcast that you're listening to now. If you're so inclined to donate, I thank you very much. One of my very valued members posted a question. I thought it'd be a nice way to kick things off this week. She says, Listening to the previous episode, something that I've struggled with when it comes to setting boundaries is love bears all things. I allowed certain things in my marriage that hurt me to continue because of this verse. I no longer allow these things as I've set appropriate boundaries, but I still struggle with this notion of what love is. I've always used 1 Corinthians 13 as my guide. I'd love to hear an emotionally healthy explanation of love, the above quote, and how it applies to setting boundaries. So here's my reply to her. Whether you're religious or not, 1 Corinthians 13 is the definitive definition of what genuine love is. You don't have to be religious to agree with that. You're not going to find a better description anywhere of what genuine love is and how it behaves. Not in poetry, not in all of the literature of the world. Nowhere will you find a more accurate description. So yes, love does bear all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. I'm having this discussion knowing that people who are uh, opposed to religion entirely might be squirming in their seats, but don't don't uh, confuse what this discussion is about. This discussion is about love. It's not about the Bible, and it's not about religion. It's about what love is. So it is true. Love bears all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. In other words, no matter what, if you genuinely love a person, at the end of whatever happens, you will still love that person. That's what love bears all things means. That's what it endures all things means. Love never fails means that no matter what happens, at the end, you still love the person. 
But love also gives a person what they need rather than what feels best to you. Love gives the target of that love what they need, even when what they need is sometimes to suffer consequences that may even include divorce. The love bore all things, and it's still there afterwards. So the mistake in thinking when people hear the description of love such as the one that is found in the Bible. The mistaken thinking is that the person takes love bears all things to mean that love puts up with everything or that it tolerates everything. And those two messages do not in any way have the same meaning. Love bears all things simply means you don't stop loving the person. Incidentally, this is just kind of a side comment. A lot of people think when they read that verse at 1 Corinthians 13, they think that that is a checklist of things to do in order for your love to be genuine. But that is not why a description of love exists there. (laughs) Or in literature or in poetry or anywhere. Defining love is not so that we can superficially check off a list of things to superficially do in order for our love to appear genuine. Rather, that detailed description of love is simply, it, it's simply there to say that if your love is genuine, this is naturally how it will behave. You see the difference there? It's not a checklist of, okay, now i got to do this. Now i got to do this. Uh Uh-uh. It's there so that you can compare what you have that you think is love to the description of what genuine love is. And then, if it don't match, you can say, wait a second. I'm not experiencing genuine love. My perspective is, is wrong. Or... My intentions are wrong. You can make changes at a fundamental level so that the natural fruits of your love and the natural product of of having genuine love matches the description there. I don't know if that's too confusing or not. It's not a list of things to do. Rather, it's a description of what love looks like, what genuine love looks like, if if you're really experiencing it. Now... Continuing our discussion about boundaries. This is the third part of this discussion. How can you define what are reasonable expectations to have toward the individual in question? In other words, what determines expectations which would be unreasonable for us to have of them or to have of ourselves? See, this is an imperative discussion to have. Because before we can start setting boundaries, it's only logical that we first must know what qualifying factors or measurement we use to determine if something is reasonable or not, right? There's absolutely no sense in setting a boundary 
if that boundary is unreasonable. Furthermore, there's absolutely no sense in setting a boundary that doesn't expect enough from somebody. Well, the answer comes down to the principle of capacity versus ability. If you're unfamiliar with the distinction between these two things and why they're relevant, I strongly recommend that you go to thelastsymptom.com and read the article, How Your Inability to Play the Fiddle Can Teach You What You're Capable Of. But a, a simple way of summarizing the entire point of that article for today's purposes is this. Anything a person with borderline personality disorder is capable of doing that is for their own well-being and for yours is a fair thing to expect of them. Notice, I did not say anything that they are able to do. But rather, I said anything they are capable of doing. This distinction is very important. Which is why I've asked you to read the companion article over at thelastsymptom.com. There are many, many things people with emotional disorders are unable to do. But if you were to use this as your qualification for creating and enforcing boundaries, frankly, you would never create any. Now, maybe it's dawning on you that this has been the weak link in your thinking on the subject until now. Put very simply, it is not fair of me to expect something of a person that they are incapable of doing. But it is perfectly fair of me to expect something of a person that they are unable to do when it's something that's necessary for their own well-being and for my well-being. When it is a necessary factor for a healthy relationship. Now, maybe you think I'm uh, contradicting myself, but I'm not. And you're going to see, you're going to see why. Why can we say that it is fair of me to expect something of a person that they are unable to do. Well, think about it. We are always unable to do the things we have yet to learn how to do. You send your child to school to learn things that they are unable to do. It's the entire reason school exists at all. So is it unreasonable of you? To expect your child to learn to count, even though they may be unable to count on the first day of school? No. Because they're capable of counting. Even if they're unable to count, they are capable of counting. So a person's ability or lack of ability is not, not, the correct measurement for deciding what expectations they should have of themselves or that others can fairly have of them. 
I hear folks who are caught up in denial using this to excuse why it isn't so bad that their parents were child abusers. They say things like, oh, well, my dad wasn't able to do this or that. Or my mother isn't able to do such and such. Well, guess what? (laughs) Emotionally neglecting or abusing your children makes you a child abuser. And child abuse is inexcusable. Inexcusable means that there's not an explanation in all of the world that makes it okay. But also, what your parents are able or not able of doing is not a relevant qualifying factor anyway. Mm -mm. The relevant qualifying factor is what people are capable of, not what they are able or not able to do. Also, I hear people intertwine and use the two terms incorrectly. Excuse me. In fact, I was listening to myself talk on one of these podcast episodes just just a few episodes back, and I myself slipped, (laughs) and I used the word capability or capacity incorrectly by accident. But these people, they'll say things like, oh, I just don't think my poor old child abusing mother was capable of figuring things out like other mothers. Bullshit. She didn't even try. She had the same capabilities or capacity as any normal grown woman. (laughs) As any other normal grown adult. Maybe she wasn't able to figure out things like other mothers. But she was capable. She had that capacity. Denial. Denial is so powerful. Recognizing that it is people's capacity or capability, which is the relevant qualifying factor upon which to build fair expectations, is unbelievably important to the overall harmony of everything needed for genuine recovery to be possible. And when we're talking about what are fair expectations or what are not fair expectations, you begin to see why it's so important to reject the lies that a great portion of the professional community would have you believe, such as emotional disorders are genetic, or that their symptoms can only be managed, while genuinely ridding oneself of their disorder is impossible. Are you beginning to see how all these things I talk about are related? Are you beginning to see the real nature of how destructive the popular, blindly celebrated lies out there are? You see, when people buy into these falsehoods, it completely changes a person's entire concept of what they can reasonably, reasonably expect of themselves, and by extension, what others can reasonably, reasonably expect of them as well. For example, when the person with borderline personality disorder hears that they were born, uh, I say this in air quotes, born with an imaginary genetic defect in their very makeup, which is the cause of all the issues they're dealing with, 
What motivation do they then have to make a genuine effort to investigate the truth and try to change? None. None. What is the point in trying to change what quack experts tell you is inherently a part of you? <laughs> Likewise, when this person's loved ones hear and buy into the same ridiculous lies, what motivation do they have to create genuine boundaries and hold their loved one to consequences? What ultimate benefits could there possibly be in boundaries and consequences in such a scenario? None. The genetic lie is only destructive. Again, this is another example of extreme malpractice when those in the professional community spread this lie based on phony, idiotic interpretations of scientific studies. I've already written and talked comprehensively about why borderline personality disorder is not genetic, nor are any emotional disorders genetic. You can find that article in the, the article library at thelastsymptom.com. Furthermore, I devoted a full episode of this podcast discussing that very subject in detail. It's ap episode uh, 24. So, let me ask you a question. Is it reasonable to expect a person with an emotional disorder to not be abusive? Yes. Yes. Because they are capable. Capable of not being abusive. Is it reasonable to expect a person with an emotional disorder to stop having an emotional disorder? Yes. Yes. Because they are capable. Capable of educating themselves and of fixing the distorted thinking that is at the that is the cause of it all. That is at the very foundation of it all. Notice, maybe they're not able, able to do these things right this minute because they haven't yet put any time or effort into it. But they are capable. Is it reasonable of you to say, if you're still raging at me and verbally abusing me after, after a year, I'm leaving you. And then to concretely enforce that boundary? Yes. Is it reasonable to say, listen, if you won't allow me full access to your phone starting next week, just as you have always had full access to my phone, I will not sleep in the same bed with you. And if you're still texting other girls a month from now, then I will take the kids and move back home with my parents. And if three months after I move back home with my parents, you are not seeing a therapist and making forward progress, I will begin the divorce process. Yes, yes, and yes. All of these things are reasonable. 
not only are these things reasonable, but when we talk about the only way you have of facilitating another person's recovery, that is setting concrete expectations, creating boundaries, and then steadfastly enforcing them, that's what we are talking about. Failure to do this is the very opposite of facilitating the other person's recovery. It is instead facilitating, guess what? Their disorder, meaning you are part of the problem. Our boundary is the only real way available to you of uh, facilitating another's recovery. That is, of helping another person when we talk about recovery. Well, remember when I asked you before who you thought boundaries are designed for? You or the other person? The answer is that boundaries are for you. In lazy speech, we say we put boundaries on somebody. But in reality, that's not what, you're, that's not what they are. Boundaries are not something you put on another person. They're something you create for yourself. Why is this? Well, the reason it is so is because you can't put rules on other people. What I mean to say is you can't control another person. You have no right to, to control another adult free agent person. But you, and only you, just like every person, do have full rights over yourself. Boundaries is something for you. But let's talk about it a little bit more so that the bigger picture becomes clear. Individual, inherent rights, responsibility, and authority come in. You know, this is a name I come up with. I need to start referring to it as a law. Today we're renaming it. It's the law of individual rights, responsibility, and authority. Remember, I told you back in part one of this series that the principle of boundaries... See, boundaries are something that you can, you can apply or not apply. You have a choice in that. You don't have a choice to do it or not do it if you want to be emotionally healthy. To be emotionally healthy, you must apply boundaries. But still, you have the choice to either recognize that principle and apply it or not. Whereas the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority is just the reality. It's the reality, whether you like it or not. You have no choice. It's always there. You're either living in harmony with it or you're not. So, remember I told you back in part one of this series that the principle of boundaries harmonizes with the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. It says that every person on earth is the weather to you. They're the weather. You have no control over what it'll do. And just like the weather, it's not logical at all to allow your emotional energy to get wrapped up in trying to use that energy or that willpower to control another adult free agent into doing one thing or another. 
you know, it, it makes no sense at all. It's like going outside and screaming at the clouds. What, what does that accomplish? Nothing. But the, the smart person, the wise person, sees the weather, realizes they have no control over it at all, and then they adjust uh, what they do for themselves, such as getting a raincoat or something. And when you go inside and, or you, you rearrange your plans for a day when you see rain in the forecast, you're not trying to control the weather. You're recognizing the reality that you have no control over the, re- of, over the weather, but you're looking practically at what you can do for yourself. What is within your power? And things like getting an umbrella are in your power, or planning indoor activities for that day are in your power. Also, the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority says that each of us exists within a circle. Now, just like a circle drawn around our feet in the sand. Anything within that circle falls within our personal rights, responsibility, authority. And I use the word inherent because you're born with these rights. I mean, the minute you become an adult free agent, you inherently have these rights. Nobody has to grant them to you. They're just yours. They're yours whether you recognize that you have them or or you don't. They're yours the minute you become an adult. The minute you become an adult, individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority transfers from your parents over to you. Your parents no longer have inherent rights, responsibility, or authority over you anymore once you become an adult. Once you become an adult, only you have inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over yourself. No matter how your parents pressure you or, or guilt you or anything that they do, ultimately they can't make you do anything. So the law says that each of us exists in a little circle, just like a circle drawn around our feet in the sand. And anything within that circle falls within our personal response, uh, rights, responsibility, and authority. Anything outside of that circle does not. Every time we step outside of our circle in the sand and we attempt to enter the circle of somebody else, such as trying to make that person do something, or maybe we concern ourselves with something that is only their responsibility or that they have any authority over, this is a flagrant violation of the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. Doesn't matter if you're married, doesn't matter if you're single, doesn't matter if you're 23 and still living at home. Your parents have no inherent right, responsibility, or authority over your life. If you're a wife, the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority do not change just because you're a wife. Your husband can't make you do things. Ultimately, if you do them, it's because you choose to do them. He has no inherent control over you. That's all in your head. If you're a husband, you don't even have to keep being her husband if you don't want to. That's the reality. The law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority applies to all adult free agents, no matter your circumstances, no matter what. It's, it's all you. You're not sharing a circle in the sand with your husband. 
He has his circle in the sand, and you've got your circle in the sand. If you're a husband, your circle in the sand does not extend over into your wife's circle in the sand. The only kind of cooperation worth having is not the kind that you are guilting or forcing, seemingly forcing a person into doing. There's no such thing as you forcing another person to do something. They do it because they want to do it. They do it because they decide for themselves to do it. And now I'm thinking about particular cultures right now when I'm talking about this because here in the United States, social norms have changed a bit in the last 20 years, especially depending on which culture you're from. In my culture, uh, 20 years ago, men were keeping women barefoot and pregnant. And I know that there are other cultures, and I'm not going to mention them because I don't want to embarrass anybody who's a part of that culture. But your, your culture does not change the reality of the law of inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. No matter what culture you're in, the reality is your husband can't make you do anything. Now, maybe the consequences of not doing what he wants will make life so unpleasant that you choose to do it. But it is still you choosing to do it. Maybe the consequences of a divorce carry such a social stigma that you can't fathom doing it. But you are still staying in that arrangement by your choice. Now, every time... Every time we attempt to uh, step outside our circle in the sand and we attempt to enter the circle of somebody else, doesn't matter who they are, such as trying to make that person do something or, or we're concerning ourselves with something that is really, in reality, only their responsibility or that only they have authority over, whether you recognize it or not. This is a gross violation of the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. And until now, maybe you haven't been conscious of this circle around you in the sand. And assuming, inappropriately assuming, rights, responsibility, and authority that don't belong to you. Are you a mother and you've got a son who's 23? Mom, that boy is an adult. He's an adult free agent. He now has inherent rights, responsibility, and authority that do not belong to you. And each time you forget your place and you step into his circle, you are violating uh, the natural order of things. Once your boy is 23, do you know who you have inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over? You and only you. So maybe you've been stepping into other circles, or until now, maybe you've been allowing other people to frequently step into your circle and attempt to assume your rights, responsibility, and authority that only belong to you. And I'll bet you a nickel that you didn't like it. And you didn't know why you didn't like it. But now you know you were right to not like it. Because it was a violation. It was disharmonious. Disharmonious with reality. And so when you, when you think about these occasions, when your individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority have been violated by others or have been attempted to be um, usurped by others, now think 
about how gross it was for you to do that to others. Every time you you stepped in and tried to assume what did not belong to you, think about how gross that was. Because the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority describes reality, it's not just a bunch of inspirational mumbo-jumbo that I come up with, but it actually describes the reality that we all live in, whether we recognize it or not. Because of this, the principles of boundaries, the principles we discuss, cannot contradict in any way the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. They must completely harmonize in order for them to be sound and concrete and true. Well, I got good news. The law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority does completely harmonize with the principle of boundaries and the proper application of boundaries in relationships. Because when you create a boundary, what you are in effect saying is, when and if I find myself in such and such a circumstance, this is what I will decide for myself. And then you decide for yourself what what it is you will do for yourself. Now, do you see why it does not violate the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority? When I find myself in such and such a circumstance, I will decide for myself to do such and such. I have full rights, responsibility, and authority over me, myself. I cannot control another person. I don't have any right to try to control another person. I have no authority whatsoever over another person, as long as they're not dependent children. I'm not responsible for anything another person does or does not do. That is not and was never my responsibility. But I do have full rights, responsibility, and authority inherently over anything that has to do with me, myself, my life. So boundaries is deciding what you want your life to look like, how you will allow yourself to be treated and how you will not allow yourself to be treated. It's not deciding what another person has to do. It's you getting to decide for yourself who gets the privilege of being in your life or of staying in your life. It's you getting to decide for yourself the sort of treatment toward yourself that you will allow or not allow. It's you getting to decide who has the privilege of having access to communicate with you. It's you getting to decide everything that happens within your circle, and I mean everything. Text messages, any influence whatsoever, television shows, the music you're going to be exposed to, the books you're going to be exposed to, the, type of, the types of attitudes you're willing to put up with, the type of treatment you're going to get, everything down to the last detail. That's all within your power. See, the purpose and focus of boundaries is not controlling another person. It's not another person. 
It's you, yourself. That is the proper focus of boundaries. What will you allow within your circle where you are the master? What are the conditions for those influences to be allowed to remain there or to be there at all? Let me tell you, nothing that is bad for your emotional health should be allowed to influence you within your circle. And here's the, the big, big point. If anything that is bad for your emotional health is getting into your circle, it's only because you yourself have been allowing it. The good thing about the law of individual inherent rise, responsibility, and authority is that it's never too late to become aware of it and to begin living in harmony with it. To begin taking full advantage of these newly discovered superpowers. Now, as a side benefit of boundaries, being something that is just for you, what other side benefits does it have? It has the benefit of being what is appropriate and best for all of us individually to live healthy lives. But it is also the only tool we have for possibly assisting bringing about or facilitating positive change in those we care about. That is, in encouraging positive change in others. A lot of people are going to rebel against this. A lot of people are going to have trouble implementing this or seeing the, the reality of this. No, it's not a certainty that boundaries will definitely, for certainty, have this effect. Because, remember, the reality is that you are ultimately, totally, without rights, responsibility, and authority over what other people will do or not do. Now, when I say other people, I know you're thinking about strangers walking around on the street, but I'm not talking about them. That it's It applies to them, but they're not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about your 23-year-old child. I'm talking about your husband. I'm talking about your wife. I'm talking about your brother and your sister. You want to think that you have a right to, to, to enter their circle in the sand, but you don't, and you never did. You've been living disharmoniously with the reality you, you exist in. A measure of this is respect, you know? How much respect do you have for these people? Well, it's going to show. How much respect you have for your wife is going to show and how much you recognize and acknowledge her circle in the sand and how she is the master of that domain. How much you love and respect your husband is going to be demonstrated in how much you recognize and acknowledge his circle in the sand. You know, he can leave at any time. This is the reality. You, as the wife, you can leave at any time. There is every reason that you can think of why you cannot leave at any time is imaginary. It's imaginary. You you are putting that on yourself, but it's not real. 
the reality is what I've told you. The law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. Nobody has to do anything. When you're an adult free agent, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> because, uh, you know, your, your in-laws are going to be hurt. Well, maybe you don't want to live in a world where your in-laws are hurt. It's still you deciding to stay in that arrangement. You know, that is the beauty of relationships. Is that it's two people voluntarily, each one voluntarily, separately, each one separately and individually deciding to stay in that arrangement. Is your government going to jump in and prevent you from getting out of that arrangement? That marriage? No, nobody is. Not anywhere. The, the reality is you've got full control and power over everything in your circle, no matter what your circumstances are. Now, let me give you an example. I come up with this. I thought it was pretty clever. Childish, but clever. So let's say that you and I live together. And when I go to the bathroom, I often miss the commode or the, the toilet. And I, I end up getting the floor wet. I don't do it on purpose. I'm just bad at target practice. But you don't like having pee on your bathroom floor. And one day you decide that puddles of pee are not something you're willing to have in your life. Can you make me be more careful in the bathroom? <laughs> no, you can't. But the first logical step would be to for you to have a conversation with me about it, right? The conversation is your appeal to me. You're appealing to me to decide for myself to be more careful in the bathroom. If I genuinely care for you, this may be enough to make me decide for myself that I want to be more careful in the bathroom. But notice, it's me deciding for myself Ultimately, it's me deciding I want to do it because of the care I have for you, right? You haven't made me do anything. You, you don't have that power. There were, there were no inherent rights, responsibility, or authority that you were able to exert over me. In the end, if your request is enough for me to change my behavior, it's still a decision I made for myself. This is the reality. And maybe I do it because in my life, I prefer having a happy partner over having an unhappy partner. But let's say that this conversation is not enough. I keep missing the commode, and I keep getting pee all over the floor. What's the next step? Yeah, you guessed it. Boundaries. Boundaries. Because remember, you have full inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over your life. You can't make me do anything, but you have full inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over what your life is like. And you've decided that puddles of pee are not a thing that you're willing to allow in your life. So what do you do? Now you come to me and you say, Honey bear, I've asked you not to pee on the floor. But you 
have chosen to keep doing it. I have no rights, responsibility, or authority over your choices. But I don't want pee puddles in my life. And I have full rights, responsibility, and authority over my choices. I sure do. So, if you're still missing the commode and getting pee on the floor two weeks from now, I'm going to go and I'm going to find my own apartment. Uh-oh. Now you're starting to get my attention. Are you attempting to control me? Not at all. You're simply making a decision for yourself. And because it is simply a decision you are making for yourself, given the circumstances, and not an attempt to control another human being, there's no game of manipulation going on here. You see that? This isn't a a tricky play. You mean it. See, your perspective on boundaries, that is, you making decisions for yourself, and not that it is a tool for controlling, controlling another person, means that when you express the boundary, and you put it out there and you set it in place, you aren't playing a manipulation game. You're dead serious, which means you will have no hesitation or problem whatsoever enforcing, that is to say, following through, because a violation of that boundary is a violation of your inner circle, of the realm where you have total, inherent, that means nobody has to grant them to you. You have them no matter what. Inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over. You get to decide what the area inside that realm looks like and what it will not look like. And in your realm, you have no place for pee puddles on the bathroom floor. Again, since for me in my life, I'm pretty fond of having you around as my partner. And I don't want to have to watch Britain's Got Talent alone on Wednesday nights. I may now start thinking pretty seriously. I may start now thinking pretty seriously about voluntarily giving up peeing on the floor. Again, you haven't made me do anything. You haven't even tried to make me do anything. You've simply expressed what you will allow in your life and what you will not allow in your life. So now it's up to me to decide what I like more. Peeing on the floor or having somebody to watch Britain's Got Talent with on Wednesdays, Wednesday nights. And yes, I, I am using that, that example of Britain's Got Talent because I know that I've got a lot of uh, British listeners. So, hello everybody. Th- this one's for you. <laughs> Put in the simplest terms possible, we each get to decide our own lives. It, it don't matter who you are. It don't matter if you're single, married, nothing. Your married status does not change the reality that you and your husband or wife separately still only have inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over yourselves. Individually, that's the reality. Everything else is illusion. Boundaries is simply recognizing your right to decide your life deciding how your life should be 
and then making it so. It's not an attempt to control another person. Rather, it's removing anything from our circle that we don't want there or that we cannot allow there because it's a detriment to us. As long as you're an adult free agent, only you create conditions for who gets to influence anything within your circle in the sand. And if something is in your life that is emotionally unhealthy for you, or that violates your dignity, or that you simply don't want there, it can only be so because you are allowing it. One thing I do want to say before we close this this, uh, discussion on boundaries is this. If you're setting boundaries from a place of proper perspective, that is, that boundaries is something that you set for yourself, that it's a way of appropriately and rightfully managing your personal inherent rights, responsibility, and authority of your circle, and that it is not a way to control other people, then you will have no trouble enforcing the boundaries that you set, because you won't be playing. However, if you do not have the proper perspective on boundaries and you attempt to use boundaries as a thing to place on other people as a tool to control them, then you more than likely will, will have trouble enforcing boundaries. But it cannot be said seriously enough. Setting boundaries and then failing to enforce them is a million times worse than if you had never set a boundary at all. Every time you set a boundary that you fail to enforce, you're harming your loved one's chances at recovery or change a million times more than if you had never set the boundary at all. So do it right or don't do it. Do it for the right reasons or don't do it. Do it with the proper perspective of what the purpose of it all is or don't do it. The boundaries that my uh, ex-wife set, that is what she told me she would do for herself if I failed to stop doing one thing or another, that is, if I failed to stop um, meeting certain conditions, quickly escalated to divorce over a period of about a year. And let me tell you, she really did concretely and resolutely enforce every single boundary she set and communicated to me without fail. Did I like it at the time? No, I hated it. I disagreed with it all. Because I couldn't see, well, I saw it as a betrayal. At the time, I saw it as a betrayal. But was it a betrayal? It never was it a betrayal. That was my distorted thinking. And only because of her setting and enforcing concrete boundaries am I able to enjoy good emotional health genuinely for the first time in my entire life. In the last three years have been, oh my goodness, I'm I'm an entirely different person. Her perspective on boundaries was correct and healthy, and this is evident in the way she created them and in the way she enforced them. If she had failed to enforce any of her boundaries at any time, she would have undermined everything. I I would not be sitting here talking to you about these things. She would have undermined everything. Because the principle of boundaries 
does not violate the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. It's not a certainty. There is no certainty that after all is said and done, it will have brought about the type of action from your loved ones that you crave and hope for. There's no guarantee of that. It shouldn't be your primary reason for creating boundaries in the first place, remember? But it is, it is the only thing, the only and most effective thing you have to work with. That's the reality. Whether we recognize it and live in harmony with it or not. Boundaries are the only thing you've got to work with. You can't make a person approach recovery or change in an authentic way. You can't. Only they can do that for themselves, you see? You can't make another person do anything at all. If they do it, it'll be because they wanted to do it. And frankly, those are the only conditions that matter anyway. And how do we facilitate our loved ones coming to clear conclusions about what they might want and and facilitate them mustering up the courage to achieve it? Boundaries. We make healthy decisions for ourselves. That's what boundaries are, making healthy decisions for ourselves. In turn, they'll have to decide for themselves what they truly want as it relates to the healthy decisions we are making for ourselves. No matter what, the ball is always in their court. And the ball is always in your court. Yes. Yes, what I just said is true. You both have full say over what your lives individually, even if shared at the time being, for the time being, you have full say individually over what your lives individually are. We don't make decisions on what ifs and if onlys. We make decisions based on the reality of what a person is or is not right now, what they are or are not doing right now. That's all for today, folks. My uh, cat Walden is finally fixed, and life around here has been so much better for all of us, you you wouldn't believe. I, I hope you have the best week of all time. Please be patient and kind with yourself as you maneuver recovery or have dealings with others who have emotional disorders. Let me remind you to visit thelastsymptom.com. The site offers you the opportunity to make a financial contribution to support my overall body of work. And I don't take those donations for granted. This coming Thursday, there will not be a new episode of The Last Symptom. Okay, calm down, all of you. You'll get through it. Uh, We're just going to skip one week. Just stop your crying. Uh, The reason for this is that I will be on a week-long, epic backpacking trip in the Pennsylvania mountains all week. All next week. So I'm not going to have a lick of spare time between now and then to prepare a show and record it, but that's okay. I already know what I want to talk about when I come back. I think there's probably enough information in these last three episodes on on boundaries to give you plenty to digest between now and the time when I come back. You know, if I don't get eaten by any bears or abducted by 
aliens and get anal probes. That's my least favorite thing about getting abducted by aliens are the anal probes. But I'll come back with some trail notes and photos and videos and and maybe I'll share all these things with you on thelastsymptom.com. Hey, you all take care of yourselves. Have a nice week. And as always, as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.